Well, good morning, good morning. I'm so happy to be in front of you guys today. Uh, a few months ago, um, we did a series called Redefined. And we took a couple subjects uh, that, you know, we live with each and every day. And we, re we uh, redefine them. Redefine means either define again because you really need the emphasis on it or to define it differently. And Jason did um, an installment called The Church Redefined. And as he's preaching, he realizes on the first one that he has way more content that we have for a Sunday morning service. So he goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to table the rest of this and do a part two next week. Well, then he gets home, and it's like the Lord is just flooding all of this stuff. And he said, I don't, I don't think I could do this in just a part two. And I said, well, we're definitely doing the, the series on Luke, so we're going to have to table this to another time, right? And so he goes, I think this could be a series. And so I said, let's do it in January. Let's do the church redefine. And so that's where we are today as we start this series, the church uh, redefined. Now, as we go through and we're talking about things that either need to be defined again or defined differently in the church, a lot of times people will come and go, oh, yeah, they're going to say all the things that are wrong with the church. The church is awful, la, 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 la. Uh, this organization needs to be teared down. You know, that's how some people feel. I mean, even Christians, you know, sometimes, like, I know people, you know, who, who get on and, and they just hate on the establishment. And I just want to, before we even get started, just go ahead and say that we are not going to trash the church. And so I love the church. I believe in the church as a whole. I love how Paul in Ephesians, 2 Corinthians, and even Romans, he paints this picture, this beautiful comparison of the relationship between Jesus and the church like a husband and a wife. And so if you were to go to Jason. I know I'm not a perfect person and I have flaws just like the church, right? We're not perfect. We have flaws. But if you were to go to Jason and you started talking trash about me and you started to tell how awful I am and all my flaws and how I'm no good and all this kind of stuff, you are not going to get a good response, okay? You're going to make the man angry and you're going to make him upset because you're talking about his bride. And although I need to change things, Although there are things that I would, I know I need to change, right? And you probably need to see it too. And you might confront me and say, hey, there's some things in your life that might make you better. You wouldn't go, let's cancel Tiffany because she has these flaws, right? That wouldn't be right, right? And so that's what we're doing today. The best way to change yourself is to first acknowledge that there's something that you need to change, right? And so in the church, there are things that I believe that we've made culturally acceptable that we need to change, that we need to do differently in order to present ourselves the best way in front of our, our Lord, right? So uh, about two years ago, uh, Jason and I started to pray. God had laid it on our hearts to plant a church. We knew we were coming to Knoxville, and we began to pray over this church. And separately, the Lord spoke to us the same thing. He said, this church is going to be different. So don't expect to do church the same way you've always done it, because it's going to be different. 
we had no idea what that meant. And you know what? We kind of still don't. Like, <laughs> we were like, we're just willing. Even Jason told me the other day, he was like, I was praying, Lord, I thought you said it was going to be different, but it, it really kind of feels the same. And the Lord told him, and this was so beautiful, he says, your face looks the same, but your guts are definitely different. And he, I said, we were like, all right, all right, good. But when I heard that, I had no idea what the Lord was saying. And if you know me a little bit, you know I have a wild imagination. I mean, my mind was going crazy. I was like, you know what? I mean, this was January 2021. So we've just come out of hell year, right? 2020. And I was like, oh, no. Like, we had the pandemic. Uh, everyone thinks the world is ending. Uh, the communists are coming. America's going to fall. Like, this is what's going on around us, you know? America's fallen. Yeah, I think they're great, but man, Babylon was great and they fell, you know? And, and Greece was great and they fell, you know? And all the, and, and Rome was great, you know? And I'm thinking, oh Lord, our nation, we're about to go underground. God's calling us to be the first underground church. Oh my God. God's calling us to be the first. We're going to be sneaking. We're going to be, it's going to be insane. And I was like, our friends, uh, our really good friends, Kizzy and Dane, uh, they were dreaming with us and praying with us. And Dane, his job is, he is a seer specialist in the Navy, which basically means that his job is to survive and to teach other people to survive. That is his job. No matter the circumstances, we're surviving. And I thought, you know what? We won't have a security team. We won't have a greeter team. We won't have an usher team. We're going to have a militia team. And Dane is going to be leading this militia team. And we're going to be the first underground church. It's going to be crazy. I was like, Lord, you're going to draw out the true believers in us, you know, you're going to be drawing, and, and obviously that's not happening, all right, okay, we, America's still free right now, but I thought, I didn't know what, I didn't know what he meant by that, you know, but I do know that he was calling us to do something different than what was being done, or the level that we had gotten to, and so just like I said, you know, we're not here to bash the church, I love the church, and I believe and I've devoted myself to not only the Lord, but the church. Um, but we do need to re, re, wouldn't say recognize. I want to say recognize. I don't know why I wanted to say that. <laughs> that's why I wouldn't come out. I'm like, re, re, that's not right. Recognize the things that we need to change, which is going to start us in this first, all that to say, this is what we're going to talk about today, is that the church, this is your first installment of the church redefined, the church was never meant to be the main source of spiritual food in your life. We have put an unhealthy expectation on what Sunday morning church is all about. So your key thought today and the title of this is you need to learn to feed yourself. We need to learn as a people of God to feed ourselves, and you're going, well, I feed myself, I fed myself this morning, like, I don't, what are you talking about, you know, I'm going to explain, if you wouldn't mind turning with me, if you have your Bible app or your Bible, we'll also have it on the screen if you are like, I don't even want to look it up, that's fine, you know, but if you'll turn to Exodus 16, all right, that's the second book in the Bible and chapter 16, and here's what's happening during this time, God has now led the Israelites out of Egypt, out of bondage. He has done these amazing miracles. They cried out to him. He came. He saved them. Mighty trumpet. They are excited, and they get free, and then they realized 
they're pilgrims. And they're like, how are we going to survive? How are we going to eat? Because I didn't like being in bondage, but now I'm hungry. You know what I'm saying? It's like when you were a kid. Were you ever a kid and you got really mad at your parent and you decided you were going to run away? And you pack up your backpack of, like, snacks, junk food, and maybe, like, your favorite stuffed animal, and you leave. But then you start walking away, and you realize you don't have anywhere to go. You know, and you're like, well, what do I do now? Like, (laughs) how am I going to sustain this, you know? I feel like at that time, the Israelites are kind of like, well, what do we do now? Like, how do we survive? And they begin to worry, and they begin complaining, like, Lord, what do we do? You've saved us, but now what? And so that's where we're going to open up here in chapter or verse 12 of chapter 6. God is talking to Moses and he says this. Rest assured, I have heard the constant complaining of the Israelites. Tell them in the evening you will have meat to eat and in the morning you will have enough bread to satisfy your gnawing hunger. Then you will know that I am the eternal your God. That evening, quail flew in and covered the camp, and when morning arrived, what seemed to be ordinary dew was all around the camp. But when the dew evaporated, it left behind a thin, mysterious, flaky substance that looked like frost on top of the dry desert ground. The people of Israel went out to examine it. They had never seen anything quite like it. And then the Israelites to one another said, what is it? The people did not have a clue of what this strange substance was. Moses said, it is the bread which the eternal has given you to eat. And here are his instructions. Gather only as much as you should eat by yourself. Pick up two quarts of bread for each person who lives in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some people gathered a lot and some people gathered less. When they used the two-quart jar to measure it, The one who gathered a lot didn't have more than he needed, and the one who gathered less had just what he needed. Miraculously, each person and each family, regardless of how much they gathered, had exactly what they needed. Moses continued God's instruction. He said, don't try to keep any of it until the morning. Either eat it all or throw it away. But some people ignored Moses and tried to keep some of it until the morning. Overnight, it would become wormy and start to have a dreadful smell. Moses, of course, became furious with them because they had disobeyed God's instructions. Every morning, the people went out and gathered it. Each family took what it needed. By the time the sun became hot, it melted away. The community of Israel decided to name this mysterious substance manna. which was a white-like cornata seed, and it tasted sweet like honey wafers. Okay, that's not even important. I mean, maybe. But they wanted to call it manna. Here's what what is important. All right? Jesus, help me with my words this morning. This is what is important in that. Each day, God provided. Each day, God provided for them so that they would not go hungry. But it was their responsibility to go out and get what was provided for them. Moses, as the leader, didn't go around and gather the quail for them. He didn't gather the manna for them and go to each house and distribute to them what they needed to survive. 
it was important that they themselves would go out during the day and gather what they needed. And so it was provided for them, but they had to be hungry enough to go get it, right? I love how Proverbs 16, 26 says this. The person who labors, labors for himself, for his hungry mouth drives him on. In other words, our spiritual hunger drives us to gather spiritual food. It is our hunger for the Lord and the things of the Lord that drives us to get more and more and more and more and more. When we put expectations on the church like they did, like here's the thing. I love how the, how the scripture said that it didn't last the next day. Because yesterday's manna and yesterday's thing that you gathered, it will not last till tomorrow. You have to be fed every day. So when you have expectations on Sunday morning to feed you, you are going to live the rest of your week hungry and malnourished, right? Because what happens on Sunday morning will not sustain you throughout the week. If you ate one time this week, some of you fasting are like, I tried it. It was terrible. You're going to be hungry throughout the week. When you learn that Sunday morning is not designed to feed you, you learn to feed yourself. Yes, the church is a place where we can come and be filled with the Spirit. Yes, it's a place that we could gather and hear the Word, but it was not meant to replace your everyday need to grow in God. And see, that's kind of where we become as a culture. Now, I'm not speaking of cultures everywhere. I don't know how they are. This is where I live. This is the culture that I know. But we've almost made the church like a methadone clinic. And if you don't know what that is, I'm going to explain it because I didn't know until I was older and I had addicts in my family, okay? This is, what a method, this is the goal of a methadone clinic, okay? This is like their ideal of what it's supposed to be is that when you are addicted to drugs, but you don't want to be, you know, found overdosed and dead, and you really want to be clean, but you're really struggling because you have this craving and it's overtaking your life, you can go to the methadone clinic. They give you just enough drugs, just enough that you, you like, settle that craving so that you don't desire more and more and more and more and something harmful happen to you. So that's the goal of it, is that they would give you just enough drugs to satisfy your craving. And so what we've become is a place where, not I'm saying we as a whole, is that we give you just enough spiritualness that you don't crave it for the rest of the week. And somehow we've made it where our relationship is the front goer of your relationship with the Lord. And when that happens, and when that is the expectation of the church, and you're expecting them to feed you, and you're expecting their relationship with the Lord to be your relationship with the Lord, then it makes Sunday morning a place where you can become cynical and critical. And you go, you know what? They just weren't with it on the worship this morning. It wasn't that good. You know what I'm saying? And you go, instead of going, oh, my gosh, as a group, we got to go, we got to f- go into the, the presence of the Lord. It's like, you know what? They kind of missed that note. Their voice cracked. It just wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. I don't feel the worship there. 
You know what? The preaching was is just, they say the same things every week. I'm just not being fed there. Have you ever heard that? I'm not going to that church anymore because they don't feed me. And then you become critical and you become cynical of the place that you're at. Instead of going, you know what? I've been fed all week. So now I'm coming to church on Sunday to corporately pray with my friends and to worship and minister to the Lord and to hear a word that maybe God has given to our leaders so that I may go home and feed each day closer and closer to the Lord. When you're trying to be physically healthy, I don't know if any of y'all try to do this, okay? (laughs) I can't. I can't say that I'm the best, all right? But when you're trying to be physically healthy, there's a couple of things that, that are good for you. One, drink lots of water. Okay, your water intake each day is good for you, all right? It, 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 you need water, okay? It helps you not be dehydrated. And if you're not dehydrated, you have a lot of energy, right? Drink a lot of water, okay? A gallon a day, everybody. You can do it. Jason gets his water out right now. All right. Two, if you want to be physically healthy, you get sufficient rest, right? All right? Nine hours every night. Can anybody say they get eight to nine hours every night? Oh, somebody does. That's awesome. Um, 11, 12 hours. (laughs) All right, when you want to be physically healthy, you can get plenty of exercise, okay? You want to get your body moving so your muscles don't become stiff because your heart will continue to beat the way that it's supposed to be, you know, and your body does. And then you want to avoid junk foods, right? Because it slows you down, makes you sluggish. It's the same in the spiritual, okay? Physical, you want to drink a lot of water. In the spiritual, if you want to be healthy, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit guiding your life and being in your life. If you want to get sufficient rest, you need to cease from your own works spiritually. Cease from your own works and allow the Lord to move through you. If you want to get plenty of exercise in the physical and the spiritual, you want to be in the word and in prayer. And if you want to avoid junk foods, you don't replace God's word with substitutes that don't nourish you. You feed on the thing. So how does one learn to collect their own manna? Because it is provided for you. It's free. It's there. It's provided for you. So how does one do that? And I'm going to sound like a broken record because I know that I've, I say this a lot and these two things a lot. But, hey, if you're feeding yourself every day, you won't go. She sounds like a broken record and she's not saying anything deep. You're going to go, hey, I should probably listen to that, you know. Oh, yeah, I was learning that. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So, number one, learn what it means to be in the word and then do it. Now, in the word is like a Christianese like term. Like Jason was saying last week, you know, shoot things that, that Christians say. You know, Christianese terms, all right? Being in the word is a Christianese term. But you need to learn what it means and then do it. Because if you come to the Bible in your head, your heart will become untouched. So it's important that we open up these scriptures, but that we realize that we're not opening up these scriptures to take time to check off a quota of chapters. It's, it's even not even a time for us to hear interesting stories or to find spiritual principles. Those are things that you get. You get good spiritual principles, and you get really good guidance when you go. You can go, go to the guidance, but that is not the reason why you get in the Word. The reason why you get in the Word is so that you can know 
God. It's in, the whole thing is about knowing him, about him knowing us and us knowing him and us having a relationship together. And so when you open up the scripture, if you go into it going, you know what, Lord, today I want to know you. Each and every day I want to know you better. So my heart is positioned not because I'm desperate for some guidance, which you may go to the Bible sometimes for that, or just because I want to learn a good uh, spiritual principle, or because I want to be the smartest person when it comes to the Bible, or I want to have the most scriptures memorized because I want to look good. But no, I want to know you. I want to know who you are. And so I related, and I was thinking, I was like, you know, the way that we approach our Bible reading time is like how you would approach a date. And so, like for me, um, some of you who, you know, are younger and single, you, you may know what it's like to go on a date. Some of you who have been married for 100 years, you may ha- kind of remember how it was to go on a date. But when you go on a date with someone... The purpose of being on that day is to get to know one another, right? You have interest in one another, and because you have interest in one another, you want to get to know one another. And so sometimes in the mornings when I approach my Bible reading time with the Lord, I said, let's go on a date. I know that's weird, but let's go on a date because I want to know you. I want to know more of you. Because everything you've done, everything that you continue to do is for love. And if we are going to love one another, I want to know you. And so when we approach Bible time like that, instead of studying. So here, here's, here's what I hear a lot. And I don't blame a lot of people because sometimes people are like, I hate school. I hate all study. I hate all this, you know. And so you go into it and you go, I just don't like reading. Reading's terrible. Okay, I get that. I get that. All right. I hate to read. I'm just getting up one at you. Uh, I hate to read, you know, or my brain is just tired. I've just been doing stuff all day and I'm tired of thinking or I'm not good at study and I don't want to study. When you go into it with that head frame, you go into it with with uh, dreariness, like not wanting to. But if you go into it going, Lord, Today, I want to know more of you because I know if I know more of you, I'm going to be replenished. I'm going to be rejuvenated. I want to know you. Show me. Sometimes I have to say that. Will you just show me you in here? Like, don't let me be confused today. Just show me how you reveal. I love it how Jesus, after he had resurrected, he approached two of the disciples on the road and he began to reveal to them how in all of the scriptures he was there. And their mind was blown. Go into it. Lord, show me everything about you. All right, to number two. I want to know you. All right. Learn what it means to be in the word, the Christian East term, and learn what it means to rest in the Lord. What does it mean to rest in the Lord? In the Old Testament, a part of the law of Moses, uh, God commanded the Israelites to set aside a day called the Sabbath each week. This day was was meant for resting in the Lord. This was for them. And it actually separated them uh, from other nations um, because they would cease to work on that day. 
And they would spend their time in worship to the Lord, and they would spend their time in praise to the Lord, and they would rest. And so it was different from the other nations because the other nations were more obsessed with money and more obsessed with getting ahead. And so for them to take a day off of work was them to take a day off provision. But if they took a day off of work and a day off provision, it was like them making a statement, God, we're, we're believing and trusting that you are providing for us. You're going to provide us. And what it did is it not only affected them spiritually, and it re, but, like, but it um, affected them in their physical strength. They were rejuvenated because they took a, a day of rest. Um, it made their worship deepen because they devoted the day to the Lord, not to video games, all right, to the Lord. And then, <laughs> and then, they ended up getting more material blessing than they would have if they had worked seven days. The Lord is backwards that way. When you give the Lord something that doesn't make sense, it's like he gives you more. He's backwards. The Sabbath, you take the day off, you could have been making money that day, you needed to make money that day, somehow you got more money because you devoted the day to the Lord, all right? Uh, you do your tithe, right? You give 10%. No, I need that 10%, Lord. You don't understand. Like, we're not going to eat if we don't give that 10%. You give it because you sacrifice the Lord, and somehow you end up with more money than you would have had if you kept it. It's weird. The Lord is backwards. Well, the Sabbath day to the week is like your prayer time is to the day. And so if you can give the Lord one hour out of your 24 hours each day, to say, you know what, I know I'm busy. Oh, man, I'm so busy. I don't have time. I have kids running all over the place. If you have littles, you understand this. They're, they won't give me an hour. Give them an hour anyways. I don't know. Lock them in the room. Do it during nap time. During nap time when you're the tiredest and you think this is my time to nap, go ahead and give it to the Lord and watch how he rejuvenates you better than a, a nap would of yourself. Take the time each and every day to say, I give you this hour and see that your day will not diminish in productivity, but will enhance in productivity. And this is how you feed yourself. You say, Sunday morning is not the time that I get fed. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday... I am feeding on your word, and I'm feeding on your presence. Because I want to tell you, when you leave the presence of God, and you leave that time with the Lord, you will not be exhausted, but you will be rejuvenated. And it's not the time you go, I don't know what, an hour? That's a long time to pray. I don't even know if I can think of that many things to pray. You go, you pray for like everything. And you look at the clock, and it's like five minutes, and you're like, I got 55 more minutes of this, right? Well, here's the thing. It's not about going in there and praying for everything that you know. I mean, if I went on a date with you, and we're dating, and we're getting to know each other, and we're spending relationship time, what if, what if this is what our, rela our relationship almost is like this? So this is really bad. But what if our relationship was, okay, Jason, if you could just do this for me. And if you could do that for that person, and if you could just help, you know, the entire world, it's all crumbling to, to, to crumbles or whatever. It's being demolished, the whole world. If you could just save the entire world, and if you could help this person, if you could do this, and if you could do that, if you could do this, and you could do that, that would be really awesome. And good night. You know, we're done. 
I mean, you're going to leave very, you're going to be empty, and your partner's going to be empty, right? Jason's like, ha, you can't boss me around anymore. All right, so anyways, but that is like your prayer time. You don't have to go into it thinking of all the things that need God to do. Go in and just sit. Just sit there. Go in there. If you can't think of anything to say, just tell him how much you love him over and over and over again. Minister to him. Exalt him. Pour out all of your adoration. Pour out everything to him. And then just chill, man. Rest in the Lord. And watch as his spirit flows through you. Watch as his spirit flows through you. We're reading, we were reading a book, and we did a small group on The Secret Place. And uh, it really liked <laughs> Like, everybody listening to our small group was like, oh, yeah, it was powerful. You know, like, it was great. But Bob Sorge, the one who, uh, who wrote the book, in one of his chapters he mentions, and I love it so much, he said, it's all for love. All of it. Every bit of it is for love. It's not because the Lord needed people around him because he was surrounded by countless amounts of creatures in the heavenlies, right? It wasn't because he was lonely. It wasn't because he needed worship. Revelation says there's creatures around the throne day and night singing, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. So he is not lacking in worship. He did all of it for one thing and one thing only, for love, for relationship, right, for us to be with him. So we can take our time as a church and we can try to be perfect and we can try to have the coolest music and we can try to do all these things, all these events and pray and scream and cry out for revival, cry out for change, but none of that will happen if we don't learn as a people, as a church, to feed ourselves and have relationship with God. That is our job. And so I'm going to close with this. Karen, you can get on the keys. When we are feeding ourselves... The church can now have its proper role in our lives. The church is important. It's important as a body. It's important as a place that you go to. The church is important, but it's important to have the proper role in your life. What is the church? Here's a few things. A place where God is glorified and ministered to. It's a place where statement is made in the community. It's a place where dark principalities are resisted. It's a place of encouragement and support of one another. It's a place where godly vision is articulated to the people. It's a place where corporate prayer ascends to God. It's a place where young and the weak are strengthened. And it's a place where seekers come to Christ. So when we get this concept of feeding ourselves. You're no longer relying on me or Jason to build your relationship with God. 
Because if that happens, then you might say, you know what, every time, other, other time she preached, man, we were hooping and hollering and crying, and this time we're not. Ugh, she's losing it. She, she's losing it today. You know, we could come in and we could say, you know what? Karen, Gabe, Brianna, I'm counting on your relationship to lead me into the presence of God. And this morning, you missed it. Not really, sorry. <laughs> and I'm leaving empty. No. No. You say this. You say, man, I've been feasting on the Lord all week. Man, I'm excited to come into the house of the Lord and lift up our hands, God, and minister to you corporately. That's why we're here. We're not here to get something for ourselves. We've been feeding ourselves all week long. We're here to exalt you. We're here to pray and, and extend our love to you together. Whew. Man. It's all right that the pastor was missing it a little bit today. Or, man, they just keep talking about praying and reading her word. That's all she ever talks about. Can't we get something deeper? Yeah. Open up your Bible and go deeper. But when we're relying on someone else, we leave feeling malnourished. We live that way. This is not a methadone clinic. We're not giving you just enough spiritualness so you feel good about yourself. I want daily, daily, daily gathering manna. Daily gathering manna. Daily going out there. It's provided for you. You're not having to provide it for yourself, but you got to go out there. And if you're hungry, you will labor for one who labors, labors for himself because his hunger drives him to that labor. I love you guys. Do you mind standing up? I just want to pray over you guys this morning. Yes. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning, Lord. Thank you so much for your spirit. Thank you so much for allowing us to be here. It's an honor. And I pray that you're exalted and you're glorified.